in the 115th Psalm, we read this. Psalm 115, verse 12. 115, 12. It says, The Lord has been mindful of us. Does the Lord ever think about you? Do you ever cross his mind? <laughs> oh, yeah. He'd never forget you. He's mindful of you. And he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Praise God. I want you to confess that with me, that 14th verse. We'll confess this for ourselves personally. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Let's say that together. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Say it again. Let's think about it. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. One more time. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Glory to God. You believe that? You claim that? Well, we talked last night about the fact that God is the God of increase, the God of abundance. God wants you to have plenty. He wants you to have extra. He doesn't want you to be in lack. He doesn't want you to be in poverty. He doesn't want you to be hurting financially. He wants you to have more than enough. He's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Right? El Shaddai, not the God of rake by scrape by, make do some way, somehow. No, no, the God of more than enough. I know the, uh, the, the key verse that's on our logo for our ministry, More Life Ministries, is uh, John 10. When Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. I believe God wants, always wants us to have more life. Is that right? More of everything. More health, more strength, more revelation, more truth, more power. Is that right? More money. Yes, more money. Yes. People get a little nervous sometimes when you start talking about money. But you know, <clears throat> the Bible talks about every area that you and I need instruction and direction in. Sometimes people don't like to talk about it. They get a little embarrassed or they get a little whatever because they have wrong thinking or in bondage. But the Bible talks the Bible talks plainly about subjects that people are so confused about today. If we'll just be strong enough to look at it and talk about it and accept what God said. But we said God is a God of increase. But actually, 
if you study the scriptures, you'll see that God has established laws that govern increase, both in the natural and in the spiritual. And a law works the same way for everybody all the time. If you get involved with those laws, then it's going to start working for you. If you operate in violation of those laws, then it's not going to work right for you. And to be frank with you, our prospering is more up to us than it is God. Do you understand that? It's more up to us how prosperous we are than it is God. Now, that's a revelation for a lot of people. But if that's new to you particularly, you need to think about that, meditate upon that. Sometimes people are just waiting for God. Well, if God wants me to be prosperous, I guess he'll prosper me. He knows where I'm at. Well, it's just, you know, it's just up to him. I guess it's just not God's will for me to have much. Maybe he knows that if I had it, I'd backslide and I'd do this and that, you know. Maybe if he knows if I had a lot of money, then I wouldn't serve him right. Or with, well, I mean, if, that, if that's true, that if you had an extra million dollars tomorrow, and you'd just be down in the Bahamas somewhere sipping on an alcoholic drink instead of up here trying to serve God, well, that sure shows some bad things about you, doesn't it? And if you feel like you've had some tendencies that way, well, you just need to pray through and grow up. Is that right? And don't have the attitude, well, I guess, I, I guess the reason I don't have it is God knows I couldn't handle it. Well, if you think that you are lacking in some of those areas, we'll grow up and develop. Amen. And uh, you got to be blessed in order to be a blessing. You can't give what you don't have. Is that right? You got to be able to do some things. Be in position to have it. God is a God of increase. He's established laws of increase. And if we'll involve ourselves with these and obey them, we will increase more and more. He will increase us more and more, we and our children. So we've been talking about some of these laws. The first law that I gave you last night, uh, law one, number one, is putting God first. Putting his things first. The Bible said over in Proverbs 3, 9, that we are to honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of all of our increase. If we do that, our barns would be filled with plenty. Presses would burst out with new wine. We'd have more than we could hope. Also remember Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So we said that the first principle. And the first law. Is you've got to put God first. You've got to put his things first. And we said one way you do that. Is through the tithing and the first fruits. That you take the first. Of everything that comes in. Everything that comes in. The first and the best part of it, and you give it to God. And in doing so, you honor Him, and you're putting Him first. You've got to put Him ahead, His things ahead of your things. And, he, and the needs of the church and the needs of the ministries ahead of your needs. Remember we talked about how Elijah asked that woman, said, go make me a cake first. And she did. And how that God supernaturally sustained her all through the rest of that famine. God blessed her. Now, we, we said some things briefly to you. It might not hurt to, to elaborate just a little bit further. About tithing. How that, you know, tithing is not just 10%, but it's the first 10%. And it's the best 10%. And you're honoring God by putting him first in your finances. Now, we said you can't just pay tithes 
like you're paying a bill. We said it's possible to pay tithes and not be blessed. You don't, you don't just write a tithe check, you know, get out your calculator and figure it down to the penny and write that tithe check like you're writing, a, you know, a check for an electric bill or for an insurance premium or whatever. You know, so many times people don't give properly. I've made this statement before. <clears throat> It'll bear repetition. That, uh, you know, some people pay tithes. And again, I told you I don't particularly like that phrase. But they, they pay tithes much like somebody is paying off the mafia. <laughs> now, let me explain. People have been preached to and preached at a lot of times throughout their life, even as children. And they've heard, man, if you don't pay your tithes, God will get you. I mean, you know, God, you know, God will know if you don't pay your tithes. And, man, you're going to be in trouble. And this is going to happen to you. And your pet cattle die. And your transmission in your car will go out. And this or that. And, and so people have the, the idea, hey, hey, got to keep God happy, you know. Uh, <laughs> be sure you put that tithe check in. It's kind of like, you know, the, the mafia in some certain in different Areas of organized crime and gangs, they'll come to certain businesses and they'll say, we want to sell you some insurance. And they'll say, uh, they might say, we already have insurance. They said, no, you don't have insurance from us. Well, yeah, but I, I don't need any insurance from you. Oh, yes, you do. Because if you don't pay our insurance premiums, then we will destroy your place of business. So they pay them off to keep them from destroying them. And if, some people almost do that with God. You know, they think, well, if I, if, I, if I make sure I tithe, then, you know, I'll keep God off my back and we, we can keep going along here. But see, that's, that's fear. That's just doing things legalistically out of a sense of religious duty and oppression. You understand what I'm saying? That's not right. We're in a new covenant. If things are acceptable with God in this new covenant, they have to be done how? In faith. Is that right? And one of the surest signs that you're given in faith is that when, is when you give with joy. That's why God said he loved a cheerful giver. Why? Because God likes faith. Is that right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him, but faith pleases him. So if he likes and loves a cheerful giver, that lets you know something. There must be faith involved here somewhere. I mean, if you put that tithe check in the offering plate and then you watch it as it goes all the way down to the end of the row... And you're thinking, man, I could have used that. I could have sure used that. See, for, you know, now I'm, this may be real strong, but I'm telling you, for all the good that, that what you just did is going to do you, you might as well have kept it. Because you're not sowing in faith, and you're not going to be blessed. I think some people have had the idea that, that if the teachers or preachers or leaders would just shake people long enough till the money fell out, that they'd be blessed in spite of theirself. That is not true. If you don't give in faith, it is not pleasing to God. I mean, it's that way with everything in the kingdom of God. You can pray all night long, but if you don't pray in faith, it's not acceptable to God. You can work and work and work, but if you don't work in faith, God doesn't accept it. You can give. You can even give large amounts. But if you don't do it in faith, 
It is not pleasing to God. It is not acceptable to Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That includes your giving. So that's why we're teaching and preaching about these things. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. And you get a revelation of the truth of God's Word along these lines. And you can genuinely give with excitement. You can genuinely give with joy. You can look forward to giving. Amen. And, and, and this is not hype now. This is reality. You can actually look forward to giving. You can be excited about giving. I know when I, when I begin to get a hold of these things, I begin to look forward to the day when I could put other ze- more zeros on the end of my checks. <laughs> you know, first maybe you're just putting one zero after the number. Then you put two zeros, glory to God, after the number. Then you put three zeros, glory to God. And I, I'm looking forward to putting those four and five zeros. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm saying? Let's bump it up. And man, it's, it's exciting to me. I know it was exciting to me when I could give my first thousand dollar check. Oh, that was exciting to me. I, I look forward to that. And then when I could give that with that, that, that number with those three zeros on the end, I thought, glory to God. This is an old poor boy from Mississippi. I got three zeros on my check. <laughs> Amen. You get excited about it. Excited about it. And, uh, and, and see, Deuteronomy 26, it would do you good sometimes to just read that whole chapter real carefully. And see how God told them to tithe. Not just pay your tithes. Tithe your tithe. It's more, much more involved than just putting the, uh, uh, the check in the plate. In fact, uh, uh, I'm taking extra time. But just go back there and look at it. Deuteronomy 26. Let's just take just a moment and look at this. If we had the time, I could stay here a month with you and talk to you about these things because they, they, they're so exciting, but I don't. I don't, I don't have the time, but uh, I believe you get the spirit of this, though. In Deuteronomy 26, I want you to look at this, and, and like I said, sometime when you've got time, take the time and read this whole chapter real carefully. But I just want to hit a few highlights here about how to tithe. To get rid of that old paying tithe mentality like you're paying a bill and to get a revelation of tithing unto God in a New Testament manner of faith that's acceptable and pleasing to Him. Deuteronomy 26. He said, It shall be when you are coming unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesseth it and dwellest therein. Now let's just stop right there. How know that Canaan's land is a type of all the spiritual blessings and natural blessings that we've come into, having been born again and entered into the kingdom of God, it's a type of all that we have now. He said, when you come into that, that you shall take of the first of all. Everybody say, first of all. First of all, the fruit of the earth, which you shall bring of your land that the Lord your God gives you, and you shall put it in a basket, and shall go into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and you shall say. Did you see that tithing involves saying something? I said tithing involves saying something. I said tithing involves saying 
Not just paying, saying. Yes, you take your first fruits and you bring them to the Lord, but then as you offer them, you say something. You say, I profess this day to the Lord uh, thy God that I am come into the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. And the priest will take the basket out of your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall speak and say before the Lord your God, A Syrian ready to perish was my father, and he went down into Egypt, and he sojourned there with a few, and became there a nation great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us, and afflicted us, and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice, and looked on our affliction, and our labor, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with great terribleness, with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God has given unto thee and unto thy house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you. Can you see what he said? A couple of things. You, you, you bring your first fruits, the first of all your increase, you bring it to the Lord. And then you say before him, Lord, I was lost. You might, you know, you, you go back over where God brought you from. Is that right? And you say, God, I didn't have this, and I didn't have that, and I was messed up in my thinking. And you might say, I was sick. You might say, I had mental problems. You might say this and that. And God, you saved me. And God, you've delivered me. And God, you have blessed me. And I, I've got this. And I bring these first fruits before you. And I confess this day that you've brought me out of bondage into liberty. You've brought me out of poverty into prosperity. You've brought me out of sickness into health. You brought me out of death into life. And you'll give it to the Lord and worship before the Lord your God. Can you say amen? You confess where God has brought you from. And you thank him for it. And you confess and worship him as you give this to him. Acknowledging that, that God, these things I have, they came from you. So I gladly take this first part and give it back to you. I know a friend of mine said he had done this uh, more than once, that he was he, he and his family were real poor when they first started out, and God had blessed them, and they moved into a, a nice house and had some nice things. But every once in a while, he'd put his two little boys in the car and take them back where they used to live because they weren't old enough to remember. And it was in a bad part of town, and it was real rough. And he'd drive through there in their new Cadillac, and he'd say, now, boys, this is where we used to live. And God has blessed us. And God brought us out. <laughs> and now we have nice things. And we live in a nice place. And we tithe and we honor God. See, that's good. Can you understand that? Don't forget where God brought you from. And every time you tithe, you thank him. Amen? For one, the biggest thing, he brought you out of spiritual death. Is that right? Brought you out of being lost. Brought you out of going to hell. Amen. But not only that, he's done so many things for us. And every good gift, every good material gift, every good financial thing has come from him. Can you say amen? 
And if we'll do what God tells us to do, we ought to be better off every year. Every year we ought to be on a higher level. Is that right? And so it would be very easy for us to look back and say, oh, God, look where you've brought me from. Can you say amen? amen? And you do that in your tithing. Can you see that's a whole lot of difference between just throwing something in the plate when it comes by? Paying something like you're paying a bill that you'd really rather not have to pay? No, 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 no. no. Completely different thing. Tithing should be worship. Tithing should be thanksgiving. Tithing should be honoring God. Now, I want to go on today to discuss some other things about exactly how you honor God in your giving. We've already talked about tithes and first fruits, but, uh, and we know that the Bible says, you know, to honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. But I want to talk very specifically. When we say we're honoring God with our money, with our things, with our first fruits, where do we give it? And to whom do we give it? Because, I mean, you know, honor God, give to God. Well, you can't send a wire to heaven, right? You wind up putting it in the hands of people. Do you understand that? So does the Bible speak specifically about who we're to give to? Yes, it does. First of all, I'll say this. How do you honor God with your giving? Like we've already said, you honor God by providing for and blessing for His works. His works, which includes, of course, His church, his local church, and also his ministries, his missions works, his outreaches, God's works. Now, first and foremost, you ought to support your local church. You understand what I'm saying? First and foremost. I know Phyllis and I, that's what we've done for the last, uh, you know, last good while, last long time is uh, we, we said, you know, when anything comes in, we take the first part of that, the first 10% plus, and we give it to God. And the way we do that is we give it to our local church. That's what we do. Now, we give offerings beyond that, but that's what we do. Now, Malachi said this, and you remember, he said, bring all the tithes and the offerings into my house, into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. In other words, that, there may, that, that his house might be provided for. Of course, in the Old Covenant, they needed uh, physical uh, food. They needed natural offerings and sacrifices and all of those things. It took money, just like it does now. And God said, see to it that you bring these things into my house so that my house is not lacking, so that I have everything in my house that I need. And so, of course, I think you understand, you honor God by seeing to it that the church's uh, bills are taken care of and paid. By seeing to it, if the church needs this, then they've got it. If the pastors need this, they've got it. If the ministers need this, they've got it. Making sure, taking care of that. That's honoring God. Giving God the first, giving God the best. So many people think wrong in these areas. They, they don't realize 
how, uh, how they're hurting themselves by being so stingy and by being so selfish. Not realizing that if they would bless God's works and bless God's people, that it would come back to them many fold. I know uh, we were in the church a few years back, and uh, the pastors had mentioned to us something, and uh, kind of a roundabout way, and it just it irked me when they told me this. And I've heard many such things, and this is just an example of what I'm talking about. These pastors, this man, this wife, they bought their teenage son a pair of athletic shoes that cost I don't know, over a hundred dollars. It was a hundred and ten dollars or something like that. And how many have priced good athletic shoes lately? I mean, is that a crazy price for a pair of athletic shoes? I mean, they're expensive, aren't they? Especially a good pair. Do you know they almost had a church split over that pair of shoes? Because some people found out about it and they said, My God, that's too much to pay for. Pair. I mean, what, what what does he think he is? Made out of money? We're trying to do this, trying to do that, and he's spending a hundred and some dollars on his kids a pair of athletic shoes. I thought to myself, my Lord, that's what's wrong with the church. Dear Lord, fussing about a pair of shoes for a hundred dollars. So that's a spirit of poverty. That's a spirit of selfishness and stinginess. You understand what I'm saying? And people have a wrong mentality. It's like they, you know that they ought to be driving better and having better than the pastors. You understand what I'm saying? It's all right for us to buy our kids $100 pair of shoes, but they're the pastors. They're supposed to get by on this. They're supposed to be good stewards. Oh, brother. You understand what I'm saying? I despise that. I despise that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you take good care of your pastors here. I'm not, they, they have not said anything to me. <laughs> Yay or nay about any of these things, all right? But they, they've mentioned how, how blessed they've been on a couple of occasions, certain things. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything to you. I'm just saying that people need to realize that by in honoring God, you honor his representatives. You honor your pastors. You honor your ministers. You honor those that's working for God and doing something for God. You, you ought to, I mean, if it came down to it, you ought to drive a little less car and put them in a better car. That's a strong word, but I'm saying it just boldly. You understand? If it came down to it, you ought to wear a little less expensive suit, put him in a better suit. Wear a little less expensive dress, put her in a better dress. Wear a little smaller jewelry and put them in some bigger jewelry. I'm serious as I can be. And I'm telling you, if you do that kind of thing, and I'm not talking about people asking you for things and pulling on you. I'm talking about you of your own volition. I'm not talking about anybody dropping any hints. I'm just talking about you of your own volition. Say, I love God. I God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost doesn't need anything personally. But his people do. And by doing it to his people, I'm doing it to God. 
He told me that inasmuch as I had done it unto the least of these, his brethren, I did it to him. Did you know you can buy God a suit? You can buy God a ring? You can help God get in a new car? Is that right? You can. How? 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 By doing it unto his. His. So, uh, uh, I know Brother Hagin was saying, uh, back during Winter Bible Seminar, I've heard him say it several times through the years. He was saying at one point in, in his ministry, uh, his board members were talking about giving him a substantial raise. And they said, you know, they were going to, they want him in a better car. They want him in this. They want him in that. And he started to say, oh, no, no, you know, I, I, I can get by with that. I, this was some years ago. He said, you know, I, he started to say, no, no, we don't need to do that. And he said, the Lord checked him and said, hush, just be quiet. If you let them bless you, I'll bless them. Did you hear me? So I've heard of people that, you know, they thought they're being humble. So they wouldn't let anybody minister to them. They said, we're not, we're not even going to take up any offerings. I've seen any people even do that. Or they just act like they're ashamed of taking up offerings. Well, we'll just put a little box by the door. And you can just put something in there if you want to. Did you hear what I'm saying? And I know sometimes people are sincere, but they, they, they get off in their thinking. And sometimes people act like, well, you know, I'm not, well, I'm not going to take this and I'm not going to take that. But they don't realize that they are cutting off people's opportunity to sow. And if people are going to be blessed, they've got to sow. I mean, it'll humble you to receive in a lot of instances as a minister. I know I've been preaching this for some time now. And I endeavor to live what I preach. And we sow. We love to sow. But, you know, other people sow to us. And I have had people, you know, I've had a, a single mom hand me a crumpled up five. And you can look at her and you can look at her kids. You can tell that they're, you know, they're neat, they need something. And you almost want to say, hey, you know, keep that five. Let me give you a 50. You understand what I'm saying? But you can't do that. I either believe what I preach or I don't. I mean, if God dealt with me to give her something, that's another thing. But if she's trying to sow into me, the people that are hurting the most are the ones that need to sow the most. You understand what I'm saying? So, man, I've, I've had people hand me a crumpled dirty one or dirty crumpled five or something. Uh, what do you do? You don't say, well, <laughs> you know, here, you need this worse than I do. I mean, I'm, I'm eating good. I'm living good. You, you, you need to keep this. No, no, no. God can bless them much greater than you could ever bless them if you let them sow. I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, how dare them go over to these third world countries and preach the prosperity message. That just shows how ignorant people are. I mean, people that are hurting the worst, they need it the most. You got to sow. That's how you're going to come out. I mean, how many have ever heard the, the saying, you know, it's one thing to feed a man for a day or to feed him a fish. It's another thing to teach him how to fish. Right? And, and yes, it's, it's great to, to feed people and to help people and to just give people things and help them for the moment. Yes, but they're going to need help tomorrow and they're going to need help the next day and they're going to need help next year. Is that right? 
What do you got to do? You got to teach them. What we're talking about now, you got to teach them how to put God first, teach them to tithe, teach them to give, teach them to sow. I don't care if it's a penny. I don't care if it's a button off their shirt. You got to start where you are. How many understand there's a lot of poverty in India? A lot of poverty. But did you know it's not because there's no resources over there? Do you know that? It's not. In fact, one individual estimated, and I imagine his, his figures are, are pretty right. He estimated that if all of India got saved, that within a couple of years they could be exporting food. Exporting large amounts of it. Why? For one thing, if you just got saved and start eating steak. <laughs> instead of having all these holy cows. And then every cow you ate wouldn't be eating up your grain. You could feed several people with the grain these cows eat. You see what I'm saying? It's just ignorance. Somebody was telling me about this a couple of years ago. I thought it was an excellent testimony. And they started teaching and preaching to people. Helped them. Helped feed them. Helped clothe them. But then they taught them, hey, you need to tithe. You need to give. You need to put God first. You need to sow. And this one fellow, he went door to door selling grass. Because they made mats out of grass to sleep on. This straw, big, certain kind of a grass. You weave it into a mat, and that's what most people slept on. A lot of people don't have beds there. Not, not the kind we have. You sleep on a, a, a grass mat. Well, these things wear out, so you need to replace them every so often. He would go door to door selling this grass, selling this straw. And uh, he, got, he got saved, got a hold of God. And so that's all he had. So he began to tithe his straw. He, began, he gave the first tenth of it to God. You know within a few years, he's a multimillionaire. Got his own oriental rug export business. And they say this won't work in third world countries. If it's a word of God, it'll work on the moon. Did you hear me? It's either God's word or it's not. No. Man, I've seen it. I've got friends that are missionaries in other countries. And tell me about how you know that somebody start, gets a hold of these things, start tithing. You know, maybe just, you know, they bring a chicken to the pastor. Bring some eggs. That's what they got. That's their substance. This is the first egg my hen laid. Glory to God. This is, this is the first, first group of beans that, that my field brought forth. Next thing you know, they got a tin roof on their house. Everybody else has got grass thatch. Next thing you know, they got a bicycle. Everybody else is still walking. Amen. Amen. Next thing you know, they got a car. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Next thing you know, they're living better than the mayor. See, everything's relative. Do you understand that? Everything's relative. But I don't care where you're at. If you'll start, God will start increasing you more and more and more. And you can just go just as far as you want to. It's up to you. It's more up to you. It's more up to us than it is up to him. Now, another way that you honor God, we said you honor God by blessing his church, by blessing his ministries, by blessing his ministers. But uh, another way that you do that is by providing for and blessing for, this is kind of, kind of interrelated, but you can see a distinction when I say it, Providing for and blessing your elders. Your elders. 
Now, when I say elders, I mean two things there. I mean your natural parents, and I mean your spiritual parents. Biblical principles I'm talking to you about. Listen to this scripture in Deuteronomy 5.16. You don't have to turn there, but you can just jot this down and think about it. Deuteronomy 5.16. He said, honor your father and mother. And this is the living Bible. Honor your father and mother. Remember, this is a commandment of the Lord your God. If you do so, you shall have a long, prosperous life in the land he's giving you. I said, that's the living Bible. Honor your father and mother. If you do so, you'll have a long, prosperous life in the land he's giving you. So many times when we use the word honor, we just think of using titles and giving people preferential treatment. Well, we honor them. We acknowledge them in a service or we mention their name and everybody goes, yeah, praise God, they're a wonderful individual. We honor them. But so many times when the Bible said honor, it meant get in your pocket. Do something for them financially and materially. I'll prove that to you. Go to Mark, the seventh chapter, and notice this is very clear about the fact that honoring God in, by, by honoring your mother and father involves doing things for them financially and materially. And all the moms and dads said, Amen, which means... So be it. Mark 7. Mark 7. And we'll begin reading here in verse 10. Mark 7:10. He said, For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Now, let's stop right here. So many times when we hear the word bless or the word curse, if we're not careful, we think of that only in a verbal sense. Cursing somebody, you, said, you used bad words in talking to them. Blessing somebody, you spoke nice things over them. But how many understand that it, it, it goes beyond just a verbal expression? If you do something to help somebody, you bless them. If you do something to hurt them, you cursed them. Do you understand that? That when God blesses us, that doesn't just mean he said good things over us. That also means he did good things for us. And he also said, verse 11, he said, but you say, these Pharisees, he said, you say, if a man will say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free, and you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you've delivered, and many such like things do ye. Jesus rebuked these individuals. He spoke quite sternly to them because they had made a rule that undermined the word of God. The word of God said, honor your mother and your father. It'd go well with you. You'd be blessed. Living Bible said you'd have a long, prosperous life. But he said, you have said that if we say, well, what we have here, our money is core band. It's dedicated to God. Therefore, we are relieved 
from any responsibility of doing anything for mom and dad. He rebuked them. He said, you've made the word of God of none effect. Can you see that in Jesus' mind, which of course is the correct understanding, that to honor your parents meant to do things for them financially and materially. And you don't say, well, I'm giving all my money to the work of the gospel. It's all dedicated to God. And so that relieves me from doing anything for mom and dad. No, he rebuked them for that kind of mentality. I, I don't know what kind of parents you have. I don't know what kind of home life you have. But whoever, whether it's your natural parents or whether it's somebody that adopted you, whether it's somebody, some grandparent, some uncle, some aunt, who took you and helped rear you and raise you, you ought to be thankful to them for helping you get started. Somebody carried you nine months. Is that right? Somebody put up with you kicking them in the middle of the night while they're trying to sleep. Is that right? Somebody put up with giving you birth. Somebody put up with you wailing in the middle of the night and changing your diaper on all too regular of a basis. Hmm? Somebody helped you go to school, buy your books and buy your lunch. Is that right? Somebody helped you. Don't forget that. Your mom and dad, if they're still alive or whoever was your guardian raised you, reared you, they might not have been perfect. They might not even been saved. They might have done a lot of wrong things. But there are some things that they did for you. Is that right? Remember that. Be thankful for that and honor them. Honor them by doing things for them. You should have it in your heart to bless your parents or to bless your legal guardians. You understand what I'm saying? Get it in your heart to do something for them and that is another reason why you should be motivated to believe God to prosper so that you get into the position where you can do something for mom and dad. Praise God. Uh, I, I've, I've, for some years now, I've believed God concerning my parents uh, that I, I want to do something for them and we want to do something for Phyllis's parents. But you've got to be blessed before you can do it. Is that right? I mean, I'd like to see my parents get in a better home. But I'm right now, I'm not at the place where I could just go out and buy them one if they'd take it from me. But I'm getting there. I said, I'm getting there. I'm on my way, and I've learned how to do it. I see how I can get there. I can give my way to it. Not beg and borrow and just work my way to it. I can give my way to it until I get to the position where Phyllis and I are excited right now. Next weekend, just uh, in fact, a week from today, week from today, we're going to be giving my mom a car. Glory to God. It's not a brand new car, but it's a good car. It's a nice car. We just got through fixing it up, putting new tires on it, and fixing it up, and doing some things. It's a nice car. In fact, she had one identical to it and wrecked it and totaled it out about a year and a half ago. And had just been sick about it ever since. Because that was her car, man. She thought that was the cat's meow, you know. This one is exactly like it, except a different color, except better shape. And it's not going to cost her a dime. We're going to put her in it. Send her down the road. Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, God's blessed us. 
Because we didn't have it. You understand what I'm saying? But God's blessed us to be able to have it and to be able to do it. I got some things in my heart I want to do for my folks. Phyllis has got some things in her heart she wants to do for hers. And it's right. It's godly. You understand? God told us to do that. You know, it's not just with your mom and dad, but it's with people that have helped you both naturally and spiritually. Now, we're going to talk about the spiritual in just a moment, but I'm talking about the natural. I know I went in home for Christmas this last year to uh, Mississippi. And, uh, oh, I don't know, several months before I went in, the Lord dealt with me about a man that had been a blessing and a help to me, a teacher that I had had in high school. He was, he was a help to me and a blessing to me. It was at a rough time during our community. It was, it was during, you know, all of the busing and all of the uh, uh, flack between uh, blacks and whites and all the government stuff that was going on. And he was a black man. And, and we had all kind of turmoil and trouble. And the man just handled himself honorably and admirably amidst all that junk. And he was good to me, nice to me. Uh, he helped us in a lot of ways. And the Lord dealt with me and said, when you go in this Christmas, you look him up, you find him, and you go pay him a visit and bless him. So I did. Yeah, how many of you, if you try, you can find somebody. We called around, got a hold of this one, and they led me to somebody else. They led me, And I finally uh, called him. I said, could I come over and see you? He said, oh, I'd like for you. He's been retired for some years now. He's older. And uh, I came there, and we just sat down and spent some time with him, talked with him. Before we left, I said, uh, I called his name. I said, uh, I just want to thank you for being a blessing to me. I said, you helped me. You helped put some things in me that helped me today be a minister and help me today do what I need to do. Tears came in his eyes. I said, you're, you're a blessing to me. I said, I, I want to appreciate you. I, I'm telling you, I appreciate you. And I had about a my 300, what? $500 watch, okay, on my arm. And the Lord dealt with me, give that to him. So I whipped it off. I said, I want to give this to you. And I put it on his arm. He cried. I said, you, you blessed me. And I just wanted to say thank you. That you, you sowed into a, a young boy's life. And I believe that the Lord would have us do that if we'd be open and listen. You understand what I'm saying? To people that touched our lives. Not, not even necessarily in a, in a very spiritual way. Just even helped us naturally. But for sure, spiritually. But... Uh, a person who is unthankful and ungrateful and forgets what people has done for and just says, well, you know, I've seen people, bless their hearts, their, their parents sacrificed for them. I mean, their parents did without to send them to school, get them an education, help them get, get to a better position than what they were in, and now these people, they live in a better house than mom and dad. They run with a higher uh, level of affluent fluency than, than, than their parents do, but they, are, they act like they're embarrassed and ashamed of their parents because they might use bad English or because they don't dress a certain way or because they look like that they're poor or this and that. They act like they're embarrassed for anybody to know this is my mom and dad. They act like they're ashamed. Listen, if somebody hadn't helped you get started, you wouldn't be where you are. Is that right? And so you don't ever forget people that helped you. And then as God blesses you, you remember them, and you go back and you bless them, and you do things for them. And, of course, that would, first and foremost, that would include your mom and dad and your parents, but it would also include any, anybody that really helped you and did something for you in your life. 
You believe God to be blessed so that you can be in a position to bless people like that. Can you say amen? Now, go with me to 1 Timothy, if you would, and let's talk about uh, the spiritual side of this. 1 Timothy, chapter 5. 1 Timothy, chapter 5. And verse 17. 1 Timothy 5, 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now here's this word honor again, but it's used in a material and financial sense. He said, let the elders that rule well, let them be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Listen to the, uh, uh, the Living Bible again on that one. He said, uh, talking about ministers and elders who do their work well, should be paid well and should be highly appreciated. How many think ministers ought to be paid well? Now, I know I'm a minister, and that could sound self-serving, but I'm trying to teach you the word. And I, you know, and I'm, like I told you last night, I'm not asking anybody here for a dime. I'd say the same thing, no matter what you did or didn't do. But I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed, you bless God's ministers. And how many of you want to be well paid for what you do? Hmm? Do you? Whatever your occupation is. How many want a, want a good income for that? You, I mean, you want to be well paid. You want to be at the top of your area. Right? You do? Well, then that's what you should sow. See, people don't realize it, but they want to make good in their profession, but they want to keep the preacher on a little minimum something. You understand what I'm saying? And see, they're not sowing where they need to be reaping. If you want people to bless you abundantly, then you've got to bless God's things abundantly. He said, the, he said these individuals should be well paid, and highly appreciated, especially those that work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say, never tie up the mouth of an ox when it's treading out the grain. Let him eat as he goes along. In another place, those that work deserve their pay. You know the person, I mean, he, he says this. He says the person that's tending the vineyard, he ought to partake of the fruits. Is that right? person that's milking the cows, he ought to get to drink the milk. Right? And there's a spiritual principle there. He said the ox, and of course this was all the way back to the law, the ox that's treading out the grain, don't put a muzzle on him. I mean, he's working helping you get that grain in. So if, and he, he's using his power and his strength. So if he wants to take a few bites of that grain as he goes along, you let him do it. Is that right? You let him eat all he wants. Because he's the one that's treading it out for you. Is that right? And uh, it's amazing how some people, their, their pastors are ministering to them, their ministers are ministering to them and helping them, and they're prospering, and they're being blessed, and they're driving new cars and living in nice houses, but they want to keep their ministers muzzled. See, that's not right. 
I'm telling you, if you'll take care of God's people, God will take care of you. How many remember the story about the uh, the great woman? What was the woman of Shunem? I guess it was that uh, ministered to Elisha. You know, he came by on a regular basis, uh, and she saw him, and she told her husband she was a rich woman, and she said, "You know, this is a man of God." She said, "Why don't we invite him in and minister to him?" And then he said, "Yeah, that sounds good to me too." So they wound up building a house. Excuse me, a, a room on the house. And I mean, they how many know it costs to build a room on your house? And they went out and furnished it. Put a bed in there and a, and a table and light and some things. I mean, they furnished it probably real nice for the day. And they invited him and said, you know, when you're in town, why don't you come stay with us? And, and uh, it's obvious that they weren't wanting him to stay with them for selfish reasons. But they just wanted to be a blessing to him. So I, I, we have had people that wanted us to stay with them. But it was for selfish reasons. They just wanted to ask us a zillion and one questions and keep us up all night. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But then other times people, you can tell, they really want to be a blessing to you. They, they just want you to be blessed. They want to do everything they can for you. See, you, sometimes people, I've had people invite us out to, to a meal or something. And, but it, it wasn't to bless us. It was, what do you think about this? Or what about this? Or what about the other? And, and sometimes a blessing doesn't, you know, it's called a blessing, but it's, it's really something selfish. They just really wanted to bless these people. And so he, she must have been a good cook, and it must have been nice, must have been a nice environment there in the home, because, boy, he liked it, and he kept staying. But do you remember what happened with her? She had done this. How many know that God is not a sponge? Is that right? And if you do something for one of God's people, does he remember it? Oh, he remembers it. Uh, over in Hebrews it says, God is not forgetful. Talking about how that you've ministered to the saints and do ministry. He doesn't forget that. God never forgets anything you ever do for any of his people. He never forgets it. Remember he said, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, he said, you will no wise lose your reward. I mean, God never misses a thing that you do for any of his people. And so she, she had, they had been a great blessing to the prophet of God. And the Lord spoke to him one day while he was there and said, we need to do something for this woman. How many know that you, you may not get paid every Friday or by the end of the month, but I'm telling you, God is looking to bless you when you've done things for him. And you may not, you may not even be aware of it, but there'll come a time when God will say, all right, they've done all these things. We've got to do something for them. We're going to bless them. We're going to do this for them. We're going to do that for them. And so, you know, he, he asked his servant, he said, what does she need? He finally said, well, they don't have a child and they've always wanted one. Well, God gave them their heart's desire, didn't he? That wasn't the end of it. Do you remember that there came a famine later on and the prophet of God warned them and said, y'all need to move out of the land because a famine's coming and I don't want you to be hurt by it. You go over here and live for a while and then you can come back when it's over. They did and they missed the entire famine. Later on, well, you know, when they come back, of course, you know, we, we ought to add this too, you know, that that boy that God gave them got sick and, and died and God raised him up from the dead. Yes. Is that right? That's prosperity. And uh, then also, after they came back from the, after the famine, 
uh, God arranged it so that just at the time when the woman walked in to talk to the king about getting her land back, because they've been gone for several years, that Gehazi was there. And they just got through telling about how God had raised up her boy. She just happened to walk in just at that time. And the king and, and Gehazi said, that's the woman right there. He said, it is. The king said, yeah, that's her. He said, yes, give her all of her land back and everything it produced over the last several years while she's been gone, give that to her too. Does it pay to be a blessing to God's people and God's ministers and God's ministries? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I want to read a couple of verses to you and mention some things that the Lord mentioned to me about what I should begin doing and what we've been doing for some time now. Uh, th this verse, let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there. But 1 Corinthians 9, 11. 1 Corinthians 9, 11. He said, if they've sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? He said, if we've sown spiritual seed to you, is it too much if we receive material things from you? Listen to Romans 15, 27. Romans 15, 27. He said, if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Galatians 6, you don't have to turn there and and, and I won't even look at it myself, but, but you know what it says. It talks about in the sixth chapter how that the one who is taught in the word, that he is to communicate to the one that taught him in all good things. Now, some, I've had people come up to me sometimes and say, well, Brother, Brother Keith, you taught me, so I, I want to communicate to you. I want to tell you what I think about what you taught. <laughs> That's not what that verse meant. <laughs> That word communicate, if you look it up, it literally means to sow, to give. He's talking about giving good things, natural material things. And it's a spiritual principle that people, particularly those that have really made an impact on your life and sowed into your life spiritual things, that you are to bless them materially. And the Lord dealt with me about uh, particularly a couple of ministries that had really uh, made an impact on Phyllis's and I lives. I mean, it was the thing that helped us get started, helped us get turned around. And so we have supported those ministries faithfully every month for the last good while now. And not only have we done that, but every year for the last three or four years, we've doubled it. We've doubled it. Glory to God. I think we started out with what? $25 a month, and then we doubled it to 50 and then we doubled it to 100 and then we jumped from 100 to 250 then we jumped from there to 500 and our next jump we're going to make this by the end of the year is to 1,000. That's not combined, that's each. Each. Glory to God. Because how many know you can't put a price on spiritual blessings? I mean, the revelation that it's God's will for you to be healed. <laughs> I mean, we've enjoyed great health for years now. And, and it was, and the revelation that God wants us to be blessed. The revelation of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The revelation of righteousness. The revelation of all these things. You can't put a price on that. And these ministries that really helped us. 
It's a spiritual principle that when people have sowed to you like that, you are to sow back to them naturally, materially. And so I'm still talking to you about how you honor God. You honor God, of course, by making sure his church is cared for, making sure his ministries are cared for. You also honor God by blessing your, your parents, your mom and your dad, by blessing natural people that blessed you naturally and helped you get started. You honor God by blessing people spiritually that helped you and have sown into you and deposited into you. Now finally, and I'll be closing with this, finally, you honor God by blessing the poor. You honor God by blessing the poor. Listen to the scriptures, a couple of scriptures, at least along this line. Proverbs 14, 31. Proverbs 14, 31. Says, he that honors him, talking about honors the Lord, has mercy on the poor. If you honor God, you have mercy on the poor. Proverbs 28, 27. 28, 27 of Proverbs says, he that gives to the poor shall not lack. I mean, that sounds like a law, doesn't it? I mean, if you do this, you won't lack. Well, how many uh, like that part shall not lack? Well, what did he say, though? If you give to the poor, so to the poor. I know the Lord dealt with us about that, and we had done a few things here and there. And that means a number of different things. A poor means a person that doesn't have, a person that's in lack. But... Uh, I know uh, the Lord dealt with me to check out the ministries that were reaching people that were what we might call down and out. And uh, there was one particular ministry that the Lord prompted me about that was downtown. He dealt with me, go down there, look at it, check it out, see see what it is. And I went down there, and, and there were some people that knew me. They were surprised to see me there. They said, Brother Moore, because, I mean, he was in the worst part of town. And uh, these people were drunks and drug addicts and everything else, and I walked through there. And I said, I said, what are y'all doing down here? And they talked to me about it and showed me around. They were glad to show me around. And so ever since then, we've supported them on a monthly basis. Because it's a place, you know, where somebody can come and get a meal that's got nothing. A place where somebody can come and get a coat that doesn't have anything. And, of course, in our church also, we have a We Care Center. Of course, we support our church, you know, with our tithes and offerings. And so that there's money there and there's food there. And so it's, it's very important to God that we minister to the poor. Is that right? And if you minister to the poor, to people who don't have enough to eat, people who don't have enough to wear, then he said, in doing that, you are honoring me. And he said, if you honor me, I will honor you. Now, just a word about this. Uh, the poor person is not only just the person out on the street, homeless. I mean, uh, there are people that, that sit on the chair beside us and in front of us. You know what I'm saying? In the church and in the services. And they're hurting. They don't have enough for groceries this week. And, and just because somebody's not on welfare doesn't mean that they're not poor. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there are people that's hurting all around us. And we need to be sensitive to that. To reaching out and ministering to them. But as you minister to the poor, remember what Jesus said and remember what Paul said. By the Spirit of God. Jesus said, when you, when you do your alms, which alms means giving to the poor. He said, 
that's the specific kind of giving he was talking about when he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. A lot of times people get, get these things all mixed up. And I've seen people just get indignant because somebody stood up in a service and said, well, I'm going to give such and such. And folks are dying. Oh, I don't see. That's wrong. That's wrong. You're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's not what he was talking about. He said, when you do your alms, that's specifically giving to the poor. Now, don't misunderstand me. Somebody could have a wrong motive for standing up and saying, I'm going to do such and such. They could be doing it for it to be seen. But that wouldn't automatically be the case. Somebody could feel led to stand up and say, I feel like doing this. You know, Anybody want to join me? So don't judge. But he's specifically talking about embarrassing the poor. And I've seen people do it. You understand what I'm saying? You know, pick somebody up and say, well, you know, uh, or somebody in the church or something say, you know, I happen to find out, just want to let everybody know, know, you know, happen to find out that this poor sister didn't have enough to eat last week and, and God just dealt with me to do this and do that. Well, that can be embarrassing. I just happened to find out that, that he's three months behind on his rent. And uh, when I see, that's the kind of thing he's talking about. So many times when people are down and they're hurting, that's when you really need to be secretive about your giving. I know the Lord has led me frequently in situations like that to just put money where they would get it and them not know it was ever, they did never find out it was me. I've stuck money in people's steering wheels, column, you know what, you're sticking out there when they get in the car, there it is, you know. They don't know where it came from, it came from God, Right? I've uh, given money to people through other parties that they knew, a friend of theirs or something. I said, you know, just give this to them. Don't tell them where it came from. Just give it to them. You understand what I'm saying? Just put money in an envelope and send it to them. Don't put a return address. You know what I'm saying? That's the not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's just a figure of speech for saying do it secretively. Don't do it and announce it. Over in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about this. Uh, what is it, the 11th chapter, I guess, or so, when he talked about them eating and drinking and abusing the Lord's Supper, and he said, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in, or do you shame those who have nothing? He said, because one of you is being gluttonous and another is doing without. He said, you're embarrassing people that don't have anything. They're over there eating crackers, and you got roast and bread, and you're being a glutton and they're doing without. How many understand, and this is a whole other area, and I don't want to take too much time here, but if God blesses you, you have to use wisdom. Because what is normal to you may be too much for somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? And so you don't want to intimidate people, or you don't want to make people feel bad. And so you need to use wisdom. And you need, I know sometimes Phyllis and I go, if we go to certain places, we don't, uh, we don't wear certain jewelry and we don't wear certain clothes. You understand what I'm saying? We don't mention certain things that we have or don't have. Because sometimes, even though God wants everybody to have nice things, sometimes people's thinking is just not where they can, you know, it, it intimidates them. They think, you got a what? You have a what? You did what? And they think about that the rest of the service instead of thinking about what you tell them. <laughs> or they stare at this or that instead of listening to what you're saying. 
Other places, not so, but some places I see. But uh, if you're going to do something for somebody that's hurting and that's down, as a usual thing, you, you want to do that very uh, discreetly and even secretively. Can you say amen? amen? I have just went by and stuck it in somebody's purse that was open. Just go by and stick it in their coat pocket. There's no what I'm saying. Just go by and, you know, give it to somebody else. Tell them to give it to them. And that, that was their friend that was going to go with them or whatever. I've called places and say, you know, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. And they never knew who it was. But by sowing to the poor, he said, you honor me. And that's what we've been talking about on these last two sessions. Honoring God in our giving, in our finances. Stand up with me, why don't you? Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. The Lord's good, isn't he? Hallelujah. Let me pray for you and with you. And let's believe God in some areas here. Father, as we said before night, we believe you that you're a good God. We believe you're a God of increase, a God of abundance. And Lord, I, I trust that every person would be stirred to have a vision, to get in a position where they could be a greater blessing, where they could bless the poor, where they could do more for the poor, where they could bless uh, their elders, their mom, their dad, the people that have helped them naturally, whether they could be a blessing, O oh Lord, to uh, their spiritual leaders and elders and those that have ministered to them and helped them and imparted to them and deposited in them. Lord, it's your will that we be a blessing to these. And Lord, we can't be a blessing if we don't have it. As Lord, Lord, I thank you in faith for increasing us and advancing us and prospering us so that we have all of our needs met. We have all sufficiency in all things, and we are able to abound to every good work. We give you the praise. We give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for prospering. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.